Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh yeah, HR's most dangerous podcast in beast mode, everybody. Hey boys and girls, you're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Diesel Cheeseman. I'm Chad. It's pronounced GIF, not JIF. So wash <laughs> on this week's show. That's a that's a hot topic. SCOTUS does the right thing. Employers say, don't sue me, bro, as states reopen. And Shaquille O'Neal dunks on the gig economy. Go grab this alley-oop while we grab this assist from Sovereign. Sovereign Parser is the most accurate resume and job order intake technology in the industry. The more accurate your data, the better decisions you can make. Find out more about our suite of products today by visiting Sovereign.com. That's S-O-V-R-E-N.com. We provide technology that thinks, communicates, and collaborates like a human. Sovereign. Software so human, you'll want to take it to dinner. I'm ready for a little lighter show today. I, I had too much <laughs> too luck. much weight last week. <laughs> my it's ch- too much. My chest was all tight after we were done. It's like, oh I need to breathe. God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I had to just hang with my kids for a few hours. Like, good God, let's talk about SpongeBob or something. Oh, well, there'll be, there'll be some light points in this one, but I'm sure there will be some smack you in the face points. Uh, uh, and I'd like no to doubt. start out actually with a shout out to Baker Mayfield, believe it or not. Uh, he says he's uh, when and if, let's say, the yep. uh, NFL actually starts playing games, he says he's going to take a knee. Uh, I think it's fine. Uh, and I think that the NFL, uh, you know, tripped over its own dick by uh, <laughs> by saying that players shouldn't do that. I think uh, GMs and owners, uh, you know, did the same thing. Right. Um, America, you know, America has changed more in the last three months than it has in the last maybe 30 years. Taking a knee uh, doesn't seem like a big fucking deal anymore. No, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this before, the, uh, you know, the black-gloved uh, Olympians. Yeah, 60s. You know, that that was an historic moment, and nothing was wrong with it. I mean, those yeah. guys were vil- vilified for sure. But damn, 30 years on, we're still having these issues 40, 50 years on. Um, and and so much change has happened that's been positive. Uh, I'd say let's keep it going. Uh, I just want to put it in a little context, though, a little history. Cap was sitting at first, right? It was actually mm-hmm. a, an Army Special Forces dude, yeah. uh, Nate Boyer, 
who uh, had a conversation with Cap and said that he believed if Cap was going to protest, he should take a knee, which is one of the things that we do in the military when we lose a friend, when we lose a comrade, right? It's a sign of mm-hmm. reverence. And not to mention, you know, this was never about the flag. It was about bringing awareness to Black Lives Matter, protesting, and, and obviously the treatment of blacks. Now, the thing for me, a little personal story, Nate Boyer was actually one of my trainees in basic training. So, He was one of my guys that we had prepped to send off to the special forces and to be able to see that it's like, holy shit, it's a small world. Well, the, the irony to me is, and and you're a military guy and I know you're sensitive to this possibly, but, but the flag to me represents the freedom to burn the flag. Does that make sense? Does it hurt? There's a great quote. There's a great quote (laughs) historically of, I may not agree with what you say, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. Yeah. The flag represents the ability to disrespect it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I would never do, but sure. and this is one of the things that that my seniors at the time, because I was a dumb, you know, buck sergeant, and uh, we actually saw protests where, you know, individuals were burning the flags, and I got all flamed up, and he's like, dude, sure. this is why we're here, so they can do that. Wow. I was young, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's one of those things that we have to understand as a people that is not something that we have to agree on, but that's what built, mm-hmm. that's what this, com- this country was built on, was we don't have to agree. We can debate those things and have an opinion, uh, but we yep. have have the freedom to be able to do that. And, and unfortunately, yeah. you know, as we've seen with Black Lives Matter in this case, coming full circle, blacks over centuries have not had the same freedoms that we have mm-hmm. as or privilege as, as we do as, as white do. If if Adam Gordon has trouble with Michael Jordan and LeBron James, he's going to be totally, totally miffed at Baker Mayfield. He's going to have to Google the shit out of that. Sorry, Gordon. He's okay. Uh, shout out to Reed Hastings. Uh, I know everyone out there has been binge watching Netflix. Uh, Reed Hastings is the founder and CEO. Uh, committed $120 million this week to historically black colleges, uh, which is putting your money where your mouth is. And so shout out to Reed, uh, another CEO with a lot of money, uh, putting it to good use. Shout out to Bill Musman. He loves the podcast and said, I quote, we inspire him to think, question, and act. Uh, Thanks, Bill. We'll uh, continue to do just that. Scary world when we're we're pushing that envelope. <laughs> Shout out to PepsiCo, uh, who huh? is eliminating the Aunt Jemima brand uh, of pancakes. Uh, many people have enjoyed Aunt Jemima pancakes in their life, maybe not knowing that it was sort of racially charged brand built back in the 30s, I believe, 20s, 30s. Uh-huh. Uh, to me, this is a this is a layup uh, for PepsiCo. Uh, this yeah. is long overdue, clearly racist uh, caricature, and glad to see Aunt Jemima gone. Uh, shout out to PepsiCo for doing the right thing. Yeah, I would say when you when you talk about microaggressions, that might be a little bit bigger than yeah. a microaggression. Now, now it, does Mrs. Butterworth get the axe next is the question. It'd be the easiest thing to do. <laughs> a couple of shout outs. First to Adam Chambers, founder, CEO of Apple Chat and, and Joel's spirit, yeah. spirit animal. Uh, thanks for the... <laughs> Thanks for the Evan Williams single barrel vintage bourbon. It goes down smooth. And thank you, Shazam, from Jovio for the 
Second bottle of bourbon. That's right. The second bottle of bourbon, bourbon in 30 days, a wonderful Woodford Reserve Double mm. Oaked Select Edition. Mm. It is so mm. good. I'm convinced people think we're better drunk. So, uh, you know, I don't know what that says about us, but keep keep the liquor coming, folks. I'd say I agree. <laughs> it's much easier to record these things and live with Chad if I'm <laughs> drunk. Ask Julie. Oh, man. Okay. Shout out to uh, Clorox, who's seeing increased sales. <laughs> uh, new story this week says that 19% of Americans are putting Clorox and other bleach products on their food to kill COVID. Oi. <sighs> I got nothing. I got fucking nothing. I mean, 2020 is going to be the year of the Darwin Awards. There are going to be so many <laughs> people who die of stupidity. It's evolution, right? It's thinning the herd. Yeah. Okay, have, yeah. have fun with that. Yeah. A big shout out to Prashemik Barrent, who is the CEO of Talent Alpha for the latest firing squad. Uh, mm. Did a great job. If you haven't heard it yet, go to chadcheese.com. Just... Look for firing squads. They're all right there. Very nice. I just remember this because you mentioned the booze. Uh, last Sunday was National Bourbon Day. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you celebrated as I did. Of with course. A, with a variety of, uh, of the dark stuff. <laughs> Very tasty. Last but not least, James Ellis wrote a book. Uh, it's called Talent Chooses You. Find it on Amazon. And, uh, you know, James is a friend. And I think he's, yeah. he's contractually obligated uh, to put us in every book he writes from here forward. <laughs> <laughs> That's fake news. But I think we are both in the I think we both are in the book, which is nice. Ellis is not a fan of Twitter, who's in my shout outs for uh, launching audio tweets. Uh, I'm not sure how we feel about this. And recording a podcast, knowing that the v- variety of sound quality really varies based on what you use. I can't imagine that that audio tweets are going to be worth listening to. It's just going to be a mass garbled piece of shit. Yeah. But it, it could be a thing. Uh, another shout out for me goes to Trade Hounds, uh, wanting to be the LinkedIn of the construction industry. Oh. Sure, they need a LinkedIn too. Raised $3.2 million this week in seed funding. And I don't know if this is a shout out or a big boo, uh, depending on the way you look at it, but Zuckerberg announced that you'll be able to opt out of political ads on Facebook. Uh, I'm guessing that finding that off switch is going to be really difficult. They're not going to make it super easy. And this to me is just window dressing to try to keep Zuck out of the news for not giving a shit about the First Amendment. Yeah, well, we we just need to shut all that shit down. This is a much larger discussion, but we need to shut all that shit down Uh, (laughs) and do a a recap. Yesterday was a busy day on on my my schedule. Adam Gordon Hung Lee, my brilliant wife, Julie and myself had a, a pretty awesome debate slash discussion on Mm -hmm. the uh, Facebook cost of living salary adjustment that uh, they're doing for remote workers. One of the things that you and I disagreed on, Adam also disagreed. So we had a debate on it. It was pretty fun. And right after that, you remember, I was also in a discussion like two hours later with uh, Boss Von de Hartred. I can't fucking say your name, Boss. I'm sorry. Easy for you to say. And Oana. 
Iochescu. That one was called Future of Recruitment Tech. That was fun. It was close to an hour. Mm. Any any surprises? Any curveballs out there? One of the things that you know when we were talking about uh, the the Facebook conversation, you know, Julie had some great points. Uh, she went off on her own, did her own research. You know, we kind of did our own things, and uh, she had some she had some great points with regard to redistribution of wealth, uh, population density, those types of things. And that's why we have these discussions, just to at least spark it and and then they might grow. And this one definitely grew. The uh, the tech conversation, Oana, uh, she is a talent acquisition leader in the organization that she works in and it's across the pond. And it was really cool just to have more of a global conversation about technology and to be quite frank, I mean, we're glow- we are growing so much closer together uh, between the you know North America and Europe and, and Asia PAC mm-hmm. and how we're feeling and using tech. We used to be anywhere from three to five years ahead of everybody else in the world, but we're getting closer much faster. Yeah. Did you say Julie did research before this podcast? <laughs> before the debate. I, I should try that sometime. Research before <laughs> the interview. I want to know why you guys are on video and she was a block image. I have no clue. I have no clue. <laughs> Not to mention she got up. This thing was at eight o'clock in the morning. She got up, did the makeup thing, the hair thing. She looked great. And then yep. Hung Lee had like bedhead. And it would have been great oh. to see them like next to each other. <laughs> there would be awesome contrast. But for some reason, she couldn't get the uh, the Zoom video to work for her. Yeah. Hung Lee and I are going to the same barber, apparently, <laughs> here in the uh, the pandemic breakdown. My, my guess was when I watched it was that she didn't want any visual proof of associating herself with you three meatheads. But according to you, it was a little bit different than that. I, that. That was my first assumption. Like, no way does she want to be associated with these idiots. It's enough that she's married to you. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Says you. <laughs> Says me. I'm your, I'm your work wife. I might say differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have JobGate iSummit. I'll be moderating a panel on June 24th. Go to JobGate.com for more info. Uh, it's a free summit. Brought to you by JobGate. So just register there. JobGate, J-O-B-G-8.com. They love you over on the other end of the pond, man. What What's going on? You got like Scott. I'm getting action. English. Like what's what's well, the, what's the secret? Jamie, Jamie Leonard. You're moving there after Trump gets yeah, reelected. Yeah, good call. Good call. <laughs> uh, Jamie Leonard, you know, the, and the team that brought you Wreckfest. That's across the sure. pond. They're bringing... UTA Global Gathering. It's something new. They've never done it before. Wreckfest is still supposed to happen later this year, but because of the COVIDs, uh, they had to make a, a digital change and they're going global instead of just specifically yep. there in London. So it's called TA Global Gathering, July 8th and 9th. Uh, supposed to be a shit ton of speakers uh, from all over the world. And mm-hmm. we've created a new competition called Featurama. Oh, that's so brilliant. That's so brilliant. Who came up with that one? T- tell us about Featurama, Joel. Sure. Featurama. Uh, we love Deathmatch. Everyone loves it. Uh, but we exclusively talk to startups. Yeah. And the fact is that there are established companies that are releasing new features and products on a regular basis that frankly we think should be talked about and should have a platform to pitch their new stuff 
So we came up with Feature Rama, which we're launching uh, for for Wreckfest. T A Global Gathering. T A Global Gathering uh, dot io or something. Uh, so so we're bringing we're bringing next. We're bringing Zor, yep. uh, our most recent deathmatch winner. We're bringing Jobvite, and we're bringing Hiring Solved into the into the ring Woo! fighting it out over the newest and best features that they each have we had our first interview yesterday we have three today yep so i'm, I'm hopped up on coffee uh <laughs> and it's gonna be it's gonna be dope Ju- july 8th and 9th is when these things will go live uh yep. we're gonna have a championship belt uh the badass belt of technology or something like that we're calling it we're excited to see how this turns out and i'm excited to see who wins this thing there's going to be some really good competition yeah, and it's free. So go to taglobalgathering.com, register, ton of content. And to be quite frank, I'm I'm really starting to dig these digital events. I want to go to the real live events. I want to go to the real live events. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But TA Tech is really starting to get it down. Uh, Talent Tech Rising was damn good. And Symphony Talents Transform had some ridiculous content I'll give you that. and the experience box was over the top. So, I mean, I think companies are really starting to understand that they can create an experience that goes well beyond that of what we're used to just doing fucking webinars or zoom calls. Yeah. Yeah. And let me underscore the digital DJ that, uh, <laughs> that transform had like all these things should have a DJ. Yes. And then they also had incense and candles and they sent us Blantons. I mean, th- that was an experience, people. Hell yeah. That, you know, it, that's going to be hard to match in, unless you're, no doubt. you know, unless you're at the base of the Canadian Rockies in Banff. <laughs> True that. <laughs> Ready for the news? Topics. SCOTUS. Dude, Good. this is your lane. This is your jam. LGBTQ. Supreme Court of the United States. <laughs> SCOTUS did the right thing this week. What happened? Yeah. So article by NBC News, Supreme Court rules LGBTQ workers are protected from job discrimination. Quote, by a vote of six to three, which was incredibly surprising, the court said Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which makes it illegal for employers to discriminate because of person's sex... Yep. among other factors, also covers sexual orientation and transgender status. It upheld rulings from lower courts that sexual orientation discrimination was a form of sexual discrimination. I know it's hard to believe that we need SCOTUS to rule on equal protections, but they did. Totally. And now we can move forward because this was a big win. To me, this was like almost as much of a layup as the Aunt Jemima decision by PepsiCo. Yeah. And, and I was a little bit shocked to sort of think like, man, really? It was it, 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 It's now what? Really? This is 2020 and we're just getting to this now? And the fact that we have a conservative court, but apparently the majority of states uh, favored or had laws on the books against this demographic of folks to make it illegal. So to me, it was like, wow, we we live in a really fucking backward country sometimes. Yeah. And I think that it was also a little bit of a celebration for the Constitution. Um, I know that we beat up on on, uh, you know, 
constitution and the government and quite a bit of things a lot. But when you have a conservative court, you have a conservative majority of governors, and yet we still side on uh, the right side of things because it's constitutionally prudent, I think says something about the institution uh, of our government and at a constitutional level and that the judges don't just vote on party lines and that we can do things that aren't political all the time in this country. So on many levels, to me, this was inspiring, uh, particularly in the world that we live in right now. And this is just great overall. I think for, for that group of people, we don't they, we don't talk enough about the discrimination that they've seen, the, right. the challenges that they've had in their life. And this just was a great win um, for America and for the for those folks and our, our institutions uh, at the federal level. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing that, again, we, we focus on uh, so many discussions, focus on how do we hire more diverse population of people and then and then it was up for discussion wait a minute you can be fired because you're prospectively gay or transgender yeah that didn't obviously didn't didn't level at all with me or many other people but think Mm -hmm. of this though the protests that are happening today if this would have gone down and they would have lost can you imagine the protests in the streets that would have been bad. Yeah, that would have been another 2020 uh, trend of uh, disaster and uh, inhumane you know, ac- activity. Anyway, I will also point out that f- for our younger audience, if you haven't watched the movie Philadelphia starring Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of covers this issue of you know being able to fire people for sexual orientation. And it's just a goddamn good movie um, that has aged fairly interestingly, I think. Um, I think people forget uh, the AIDS scare uh, and what that meant to society. And I think it's beneficial to remember what the world was like so that we don't go back there. And Philadelphia, to me, is a great movie uh, that sort of really highlights and frames what the world was like, wrapped up in some really good acting, by the way. Yeah. Well, I just, I think it's, it's fairly simple for us to say that, you know, humans are just human. doesn't matter who you go home to. doesn't matter, you know, if, if you wear a dress or a pair of pants, I, I still don't think it's happening fast enough, but you know, it's yeah. happening. Yeah. The world is changing very fast for the, for the better. And that's, that's a good thing. COVID in the news, it's still around. I don't know if you've heard people are still dying and still getting this thing. Um, uh, yeah, there's resurgence. Forget about it. Yeah. And by the way, Trump says if we stop testing for it, we won't see spikes in, uh, in cases. Uh, yeah, you can't manage what you don't measure either, right? <laughs> so it's so like, oh, we don't need to manage anything because it's not there. The guy's just a fucking idiot. No, from the uh, Associated Press, uh, businesses ask patrons to waive rights to sue if they get ill. As businesses reopen across the U.S. after coronavirus shutdowns, many are requiring customers and workers to sign forms saying they won't sue if they get COVID-19. Yeah, I, uh, so there's two sides of this, the employment side, which, which we focus on, obviously people are going to get sued. Companies are going to get sued. Like there's no way around it, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to have them sign something. I think obviously everyone is going to sign it. Um, whether or not a court will uphold these, these, these agreements, I don't know. I think, although you hate, you hate everything about Amazon, uh, Amazon (laughs) is spending a lot of money 
to try to protect their employees and try to make um, you know make the environment as 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 clean as possible and as anti antiviral as possible. And I think they're going to set the standard for companies, particularly enterprise uh, level companies, to keep their workers safe because lawsuits are going to happen. It's the right thing to do, of course, but companies hate getting sued. The other side of this, I think, is is patrons. And what, what made me think immediately was when they have football this season, there's there seems to be a growing consensus that there won't be football. But if there is football with fans, every fan is going to have to sign a waiver saying that they understand that there's a, this virus and that they could get sick and potentially die. That's the stupidest thing ever. But if they're, <laughs> don't you see that happening? That's immediately what I thought about. Like they're going to have big, they're going to have concerts. You have to go in and sign some shit. You're going to have to sign something for anything that you do that has like more than a thousand people. I, in I don't it. think so. I, I don't think so at all. I think there's going to be a precedent set. If you choose, and that's you of free will to mm-hmm. go to a concert or go to a football game, you therefore could catch something. And that's on you. It's not on anybody else. Uh, you know what the risks were. So <laughs> in this case, I get where companies want to reopen and people want to get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Companies need to make money and, and the economy doesn't work without people spending money. Critics argue that liability waivers open the door for corporations to skirt protocols like the the, the plexiglass barriers, providing face yep. masks and, and other equipment and keeping people a proper distance apart, which again, what would provide more spikes of, of this virus. What, what I can't, and I don't think anybody should ever stand for is uh, firing an employee because they decide to stay home during a mm-hmm. pandemic, not coming to work because they don't want to risk it. They might be in one of those groups, right? Sure. Uh, and there are individuals who have been fired because they won't come to work to work during a pandemic. Not to mention yep. all these idiots that are out there who won't wear a mask because it's their right not to wear a mask. Well, this is not about you. This is about protecting you and everybody else around you. This is about community. I think we, we think too much about this as an individual decision. Well, no, it's not. This is yeah. a, a this is a decision to protect those around you. That's what this is. This is not about you, asshole. This is about all those other people that you should help protect, and they should be protecting you as well by wearing their own. Sure. But I guarantee you in the NFL offices, there have been meetings with lots of lawyers about how do we have fans by signing some shit, like leaving us, getting they, us off. They the will home. put up signs. Yeah. It'll be like smoking. <laughs> Ent- entering this arena could kill you. Thank you very much. And that's protected the cigarette industry. I guess it might protect uh, the sports industry and concerts and everything else. Yeah. Well, and there was also a report of what, 25% of uh, employees could be at risk of, of catching? Like how fucked up is that? So yeah, a new report, one in four employees are going to be at serious risk, not like minor risk, but serious risk uh, going back to work in the face of reopening um, the world. And that's a lot. I was walking the dog today, uh, uh-huh. Peepers, yeah. beloved Peepers, Mr. and Peepers. Uh, they're doing they're doing some construction work near my house, and uh, they're probably. Twelve to fifteen construction workers working pretty closely together, none of which had a mask on. So I think that we kind of forget about uh, a lot of the world, but there's a big chunk of the world of workers 
that are, you know, lower level, entry level construction service industry that are close together, not wearing any protection whatsoever. So that made me think this one in four maybe wasn't so crazy because so many people are working in this, in this manner. And also, uh, I thought it was interesting that big thanks to Holland Dombeck for pointing this one out. Salesforce has a contact tracing platform, or I should say app, let's say, within the Salesforce platform, which helps companies identify individuals who have come in contact with somebody with COVID. So Mm -hmm. if you test positive for COVID, then they can use this platform to contact trace within the actual organization itself, which I think is, is, is really fucking cool. And it makes sense for now everybody to say, okay, I want, I need to get in and start managing this to ensure that we don't have that one in four happen. Holland is a proud millennial. I want to, I want to point that out as well. Uh, this research, by the way, is from the Kaiser Family Foundation and a, a quick summary. Uh, the, the analysis estimated 37.7 million workers in the U.S. That's roughly 24% of adults mm-hmm. are at high risk, including 10 million who are 65 years or older and an, addi- an additional 27.7 million with pre-existing medical conditions. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to say in the state of Indiana, we don't have a, a, a dense population, which which helps out, right? Yep. But the, the problem is we do, we do have a bunch of people who are the, the types of the, the Trump supporters who are, sure. you know, individualism and you can't tell me what to do and carbon dioxide and all that other bullshit. Clorox. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where we just have to stop thinking about ourselves, quit being assholes and think, how can how do we get through this faster and better and at less risk? Not just for us, sure. but everybody around us. We have to think more about the community, which we have stopped doing in this country. We've been more in rugged individualists, which we need. Yep. To, we need to stop that shit. And it starts with the guy in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue who refuses to wear a mask ever. We can never look at that asshole. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, who's not an asshole is our friends at Jobvite. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll talk about Shaquille O'Neal for the first time. I love this commercial. This summer, Jobvite wants you. You. And you. To join hundreds. Thousands. Millions. Okay, maybe just thousands. Of recruiters. HR, and talent acquisition professionals. For a summer you won't soon forget. It's Jobvite Summer to Evolve. The Summer to Evolve is a 12-week series of free content to help recruiters brush up on their skills. Learn from industry thought leaders. And see how technology can help them improve, automate, and evolve their recruiting efforts. There will be a chance to share tips and ideas with your peers. And we may even have some surprises for you along the way. I love surprises. So visit thesummertoevolve.com to register for the Summer to Evolve sessions that suit your needs. Pique your interest. Or float your boat. Because starting June 16th, it's the Summer to Evolve the way you attract, engage, hire, onboard, and retain talent. Job fight. Recruit with purpose. Hire with confidence. Nice. This just came in. This is this might be the best day, best podcast ever. We just talked about LGBTQ. <laughs> the Supreme yep. Court today, just minutes ago, blocked the Trump administration's attempt to end DACA, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. 
this is an Obama-era program that protects hundreds of thousands of immigrants brought to the U.S. as children from deportation. So maybe maybe it's not all bad. The, the SCOTUS is looking at stuff saying, okay, Trump's a dumbass. Everybody sees it. Got this new Bolt, <laughs> Bolton book that's out that even demonstrates that he's a bigger dumbass than we, than we thought before. Oh. But this is this. Is this was a five to four ruling, and uh, this is this is great stuff. So we've had two big wins just in this podcast. Wow, this is inspiring. This is nice. This is nice. So freelance explosion uh, in the news this week. Uh, got a story out of Forbes talking about the coming growth around uh, the freelance economy. Uh, it is a it is quoting a survey from Upwork. Uh, which I guess we should disclose is a freelance platform. It might be a little bias. I don't know. A little bit of interest, self-interest going in here. But the research showed uh, 73% of hiring managers are continuing or increasing their use of independent professionals. 56% of hiring managers said working remotely has exceeded their expectations. And 62% said their workforce will be more remote than ever before because of COVID. 32% of hiring managers say remote work has increased productivity. Yep. Yes. That my screen just went crazy. Incre- uh, 59% <laughs> of hiring managers agree that organizations that aren't adopting a flexible workforce are falling behind. Uh, and this is a trend that you and I have talked about for quite a while. Uh, we knew it was the future or thought it was. And COVID is putting it on steroids and making this stuff happen. This research makes it sound like just freelancers, but they're actually talking about remote in, in yep. some of this. So it's kind of kind of blurry to an extent. I do believe that there's no question we're going to see more, more remote work, but those are going to be full-time employees. Uh, we will probably see an uptick, there's no question, in freelancers. But th- the biggest problem is I don't think we will see a boom because they, we don't have the protections. We don't have health care. We don't yeah. have benefits and we want so badly to move in this direction. But here in the United States, we are not set up for it. So, yes, I think this is definitely kind of like massaging the data to make it make it work for you because Upwork is a freelance platform. But I think what sure. this does is this unveils more about remote work than it does freelancers. Yeah. They are a public company that has uh, seen a nice rebirth uh, in their stock price uh, recently. I think the interesting side, uh, which we don't know yet, is with you know forty some million people unemployed. How many of those folks are migrating over to Upwork, Fiverr, Communo, uh, etc., trying trying this stuff out for the first time? Right, like oh, they yeah. have no choice. Like, why yeah. don't I just get on and, and see what happens? Yeah. Your brother-in-law is a recent sort of diving into this freelance world. Yep. So when the world gets back to normal, do these folks say, hey, this freelancing thing works for me or no, it doesn't. I'm going to go back to full-time employment. Obviously, a percentage are going to find freelancing quite amenable um, and preferable to the full-time employment stuff. So companies, I think we both agree, are, are going to have to realize that more and more people want to be freelance. Um, and they're going to have to find out, find out ways to contract with those people, to manage those people, uh, to engage with folks that are on Upwork and other platforms. So a lot of this story has yet to be written in terms of what people do who are unemployed to find work and get money. But when you mentioned the healthcare thing, I think that's a huge piece of this puzzle. Right. And we have, we have steady 
uh, a company called Steady in the news this week. Uh, and this is where our buddy Shaquille O'Neal, the big diesel, comes in. They raised... 15 million uh, in Series B funding. Um, and interesting about them, Recruit Holdings, uh, who we know from Indeed uh, and Glassdoor and others, was a, a leader in this. And Shaquille O'Neal is a an investor as well as, uh, a, a, I guess, an ambassador. If you go to the steadyapp.com website, there are a lot of videos with Shaq. But the, the goal of these guys is to find people steady work, not necessarily full-time employment, right. but also provide... Uh, discounted insurance, uh, education, expanded training, and things like that. So this is steady as sort of gig freelance work, but we're going to wrap it into helping people get insurance, to get educated, et cetera. Um, it's targeted to inner cities and and uh, lower income uh, demographics. So I'm really interested to see how this thing uh, takes off. Clearly, some smart people are backing it, uh, and it and it has a pretty good chance of success. I would say. Yeah, they're they're looking at. Areas in which our economy and you know policies here in the U.S. are are failing human beings, uh, and that's that's the issue, unfortunately, that we have. Capitalism looks for different ways of of making money. Where, to be quite frank, there shouldn't be a way to make money. Everybody should have health care, right? It shouldn't be yeah. shouldn't be shouldn't be a low cost way to 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 get health care. When it comes to education, I mean, we obviously are having our issues with uh, with education, and hopefully, you know, with through COVID and and what we're seeing now, that's mm-hmm. going to change. Yeah. Colleges, uh, by and large, are, are in dire straits uh, right now. I mean, obviously, the Harvards and Stanfords are, are going to be fine. Yeah, tier three schools are going to be having issues. Yeah, big issues. And and my wife is a professor, and this is an ongoing uh, sort of discussion at, at the university level. Um, and this is a publicly funded university uh, that that she uh, that she works. The the liberal arts colleges, the little guys. It's going to be really challenging. And most of them are talking about opening up because they don't want to lose the money. Yeah. Uh, that they get through students coming on campus. But right. if they run into the buzzsaw of of COVID outbreaks, that's a really really catch twenty two hard situation. So there's a story in New York Times that if you're interested in this topic, go check it out. They they talk about it pretty extensively. But yeah, universities by and large are going to be in big trouble in the next year or so. Target workers are getting a raise. I'm sure you're happy about this at $15 an hour. Yeah, $15 an hour still. The thing that's still bothering me is that these are the the types of workers that we see as, you know, the, the necessary workers during a pandemic, right? And we can pay them a couple mm-hmm. of dollars more. But now when we start to kind of like reopen and it's not a big deal, uh, it's like, oh, let's give them $15 an hour. You know, let's pat them on the head, give them $1,500, you know, <laughs> $30,000 a year before taxes. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I dig that target. Good job. I think we can do better. And I, I definitely think to organizations like Chipotle, are, are mm-hmm. ones to follow, ones who have uh, for part timers uh, benefits, and I know there are different benefits package for you know for for Target and whatnot, but benefits for for healthcare for for part timers, um, the college programs, the degree programs that Chipotle has. Uh, yeah. I, I believe everybody should look at what Chipotle is doing, and they should be there now. They should mimic, copy whatever the fuck they need to do, but do what they are doing. That is that is the starting point. 
I think, of what right looks like right now. You know, I think uh, there is some warm and fuzzy to this, obviously, but I think most of this is market driven. You have two 800-pound gorillas named Amazon and Walmart uh, that are actually benefiting from a lot of the closures of the mom and pops and, and small organizations and, and companies like Target, which are sort of the Dr. Peppers and Fantas of the uh, the retail world, are having to, to do things like this just to compete and survive. Um, so I think to me, it's, you know, part warm and fuzzy, part PR, but a lot of it is just survival, um, and retaining and recruiting, you know, talent that would normally otherwise go to Walmart or God forbid, Amazon. Yeah. Is Target losing money? I don't think, I think they've got plenty of money. You got to grow, baby. I don't think. It's not about making money. Yeah. I don't think. It's about growing. uh, Yeah. It's about fucking all those essential, all those essential workers. Again, making everybody feel good. For God's sakes, Hertz is going out of business, Chad. The world is ending. Hertz. 1918, it was founded. It survived the Great Depression. It's not going to survive COVID. Let's take a quick break uh, and we'll talk about uh, layoffs at ERE. Stand out in a feed full of boring job ads with a dynamic, enticing video that showcases your company culture, people, and benefits with Job AdX. Instead of hoping that job seekers will stumble upon your employment branding video, Job AdX seamlessly displays it in the job description while they're searching, building a connection, and reducing candidate drop off. You're spending thousands of dollars on beautiful, informative employment branding videos that just sit on a YouTube channel, begging to be discovered. Why not feature them across our network of over 150 job sites to proactively compel top talent to join your team? Help candidates see themselves in your role by emailing joinus at jobadx.com. That's joinus at jobadx.com. Attract, engage, employ with Job AdX. Whew, I'm in a good mood now. The, the Hertz story is cool, by the way. I, I don't know much about it, but it was basically a kid. Uh, it was 1918. His name was Hertz. He bought a bunch of Ford Model Ts in New York and, and made Hertz out of it. So anyway. There you go. Layoffs at ERE. Um, yeah, tell me about that. So this one hits, this one hits somewhat close to home for me. Uh, yeah. I wrote for ERE for years. Uh, fairly recently. Uh, you and I both know David Manister very well. We know a lot of the the folks that have been there, SourceCon, the conferences that they put on yeah. uh, used to be a must-go-to conference before HR Tech sort of took that mantle. Uh, but they're in the publishing business, the adverti- which is the ad business, basically, and they're in the, the conference business. And uh, word, word out is that they had a bunch of layoffs, uh, a, a majority of their employees um, are now out uh, of the company. Sad for them. We know probably all of them uh, or have met them at some point. Um, hope that they land on their feet. But it's it's obviously tough times if you're doing conferences, even if they're virtual. Um, and if you're in the publishing business, particularly in this business, to have people uh, that are vendors that rely on people hiring to make money their ad dollars uh, are certainly shrinking up or going away. Right. So it's hard to make a living on that end. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I expect them not to be the first. Uh, David is pretty savvy from a business perspective. So I know that he acts quickly on these things, but I also expect them to, uh, to bounce back 
when the world comes back and make their way, you know, into our schedules every year as as a must uh, a must see event as they put on their conferences. Yeah, I mean, this is really that kind kind of nostalgic, right? Because you know, year ten years ago or what have you, ERE yeah. was the place. That's where you got your info. And that that was that was the one of the major places, right? Yep. And ERE, the the actual events that that was the go to events for the for the industry. Um, you know, I, I have to, and this is a hard question, man, because I love David and the group, and I think they've done just a, a great job over the years. But you know, they had competition come in and take market share, and I just mm-hmm. didn't see the kind of evolution that a company needs to have within within their organization. I mean, it, obviously there's still a ton of content uh, that they've been putting out uh, in events, but it just, it really, it, to me, and this is me, I, you tell me different because you're, you're definitely closer. They just sure. don't feel much different than they did 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think there was a time, you know, before HR tech and I mean, you know, back in the two thousands, there were maybe four or five shows, you know, Kennedy and on and a yeah. few others that are, have, have also gone by the wayside. Uh, ERE was a must go to event and they had shows in San Diego and Florida that were great destination uh, sites. I think Vegas, they had it, had it one year, but David stepped down for a short period and, and things really changed from a strategy perspective. Yeah. Um, good point. It used to be a place where, Hey, if you had a blog, blog or a Twitter account, like you, you wanted to be there, uh, you know, either it was free to go or cheap to go. Uh, these are the people that spoke at those events. Uh, vendors wanted to be interviewed by those folks and, you know, put on their blogs and, and whatnot. And those, those folks who were the tastemakers, so to speak, were, were sort of pushed out. It was a pay to play. It was executive level type stuff. And it, it really lost, uh, I guess, the cool factor. And people went to HR Tech. They went to LinkedIn's event and, and company sponsored events. And then when David came back uh, a few years ago, I guess it was maybe 13, 14, 12, somewhere around there, you know, it started to get back to what, what it was. I mean, SourceCon was always pretty cool, which they had acquired um, at one point early on. But I know that the some of the latest events events were as as well attended and registered uh, attendees were as high as they were, you know, back in 06, 07, 08, you know, during the the heyday. So they were certainly on the way back. Uh, obviously, still a lot of competition, but there were obviously, you know, people that had money and budgets to go to a lot of shows. Right. Um, and that just dried up overnight. So it's sad to see a, a, a conference sort of on the way back have to face the tsunami that is is coronavirus. Um, and whether whether they make it back or not, I guess time will tell. We can only hope that uh, that uh, obviously they can find either some way digitally or mm-hmm. maybe live events someday uh, to find yeah. their their way back to that path. But again, you know, I I I I forgot CEO change. That was a huge riff. In the industry, yeah. it pissed a lot of people off, and it was good that Dave did come back because he he yeah. he knew what the the original vision was, and and that was something that the community embraced. They they did they embraced it wholeheartedly, and yeah, uh, yeah I agree that uh, unfortunately that change that CEO change and the change of vision um, mm-hmm. did uh, did create some impact. No doubt, no doubt. Which is why we can't get get rid of each other because the show would never be the same <laughs> without both Chad and Cheese. Yes. And with that, 
We, we out. out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The chat. The cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chadcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.